Wild West Podcast is now offering our listeners digital books of our most popular stories. To find out more, go to boothillproductions.com and select publications. Now, back to our story. My name is Josiah Wright Moore. I'm from New England. I was born on August 10, 1851 on a farm in Bennington, Vermont. I grew up reading stories about the early western explorers and at the age of 19 decided to move out west. I arrived at Fort Hayes, Kansas in 1870. I came west with a vision to make my fortune on the new frontier. It did not take long for the realities of hard time to soon catch up with me. I supported my living by hauling wood for the army post. Here I chopped trees in a stand of trees along Walnut Creek, 30 miles to the south of Fort Hayes. They paid me $2 a cord. This country was wild. The Indians had become unpredictable, and this caused me to keep my rifle close at hand. Each day out of my travels to Walnut Creek, I could see large herds of buffalo migrating across the plains. Although these times had been tough, I had the good fortune of meeting a man by the name of James White. He was a buffalo hunter. I had so much respect for James White, his greater age and experience. He was 20 years older than me. I remember the day I met him. I was going about from one stable to another, hoping to find a ready-made camp outfit, team, and wagon offered for sale, cheap. I was growing tired of cutting wood and knew I needed another way to make my fortune. I heard buffalo hunting pay was good pay, and the army needed food suppliers. I entered one of the local stables, and within an instant I heard a voice coming from a dark corner. Can I help you? I squinted my eyes and looked to find the individual behind the voice. The obscureness of the stable failed my sight until a beam of light peeked through the cracks of the wood-boarded roof. This one glimmer of light found the image of a man pulling up his pants. Through the mid-morning light of the open doorway, his image walked toward me. He brushed the hay out of his hair and stepped out in front of the open entrance. Yes, sir, I said. I'm sorry if I disturbed you. I was startled by the tall man's image. He looked like a mountain man. His long hair, thick black beard, and hawk-like visage made me think he had spent most of his time in the wilderness. I'm I'm here to find a, a wagon, I said with some hesitation. Well, you won't find one in this place, boomed his voice with harshness. Now remove yourself from my place before I throw you out. I'm the owner of this stable and all the contents within, so you best get out of here while you're able. His loud and direct voice caused me to back up and stumble over the rail of the hitching post. I fell backwards onto the ground. My back shoulders landed first. The blow pushed the air from my lungs as I felt my head hit the wood railing of a cattle pen. My head was spinning and the echoes of laughter over me. Who are you, kid? Chuckled the man as he reached out his hand. I reached up and grabbed the man's hand and with the strength of one pull, I was back to my feet, again rubbing my head with inordinate embarrassment. I'm Josiah Wright Moore, I replied in dismay. I want to purchase a rig. Now why do you want to purchase a rig? The man firmly replied. I want to hunt buffalo and make some real money. My last statement to him must have been persuasive, for he introduced himself to me. He said his name was Jim White, and he was born in 1828 as Jim Wilson out of Illinois. 
He told me he found his way into the Southwest as a young man, where he was a freighter with ox-drawn wagons. When the Civil War broke out in 1861, he said he served in the Confederate Army. He told me the Civil War had an acute impact on him, and at the end of the war, he married and returned to the Southwest. From this point on, Jim and I became good friends. I'm not sure why, but he took me under his wings. He said he'd teach me how to become a buffalo hunter. For two days, Jim and I went about from one stable to another, hoping to find a few good mules to haul my wagon and camp outfit for me. To buy a mule team, wagon, and camping supplies at the asking prices would take all the money I had. Then, on the second day, by luck, a man driving a freighter wagon pulled in along Chestnut Street. The man holding the reins looked promptly at us, handed over the reins to the man sitting next to him, and jumped off the wagon with one leap. He crossed over the busy street where Jim and I stood. Hey, he said, my name is Thomas Nixon. They call me Tom. I hear you gentlemen may be looking for a hunting outfit. I may have a rig for you if you're interested. Tom grinned and extended his hand. What's your names, he asked. I shook Tom's hand and introduced him to Jim White. I heard of Jim White, he said. You're well known in these parts. I could tell Tom's comments about Jim made him interested in what he had to offer. What kind of hunting outfit do you have? Tom asked, staring directly into Nixon's eyes. It was as if Jim was looking for the man's character. He told us he had just returned from a buffalo hunt and he'd been hired by a group of sporting men from back east. They have a splendid team of mules and camping supplies they wanted to sell, said Tom. They'll take anything they can fetch for them. Why do you suppose these men want to sell at any given price, I asked. Well, Tom took a deep breath and said, I'd come to Fort Hayes about a month ago to hunt buffalo meat for the army. They told me they had already contracted out these jobs and did not need any additional help. Feeling somewhat dejected, we decided to go to the saloon to get over our disappointment when I ran into these Easterners. Well, luck had it these men had been looking for a guide. I persuaded them, me, Tom Nixon, and my partner A.C. Myers were just who they had been looking for. Tom paused for a minute, looked down, and kicked the dirt a few times. Well, hell, I could not pass up a deal like this, Tom said. These men had plenty of money, so these fellows from back east hired me to buy a team. I rigged up the whole hunting outfit for them and agreed to be their guide. Tom looked over across the street, pointing in the direction of his wagon. In the large freighter wagon sat a man holding the reins back on twelve mules. They hired the two of us, clarified Tom. Why don't you come over to my wagon and meet my partner? Tom introduced us to his partner, A.C. Myers. Nixon told us they'd be interested in forming a four-man team and continue the hunt with Jim and I. He jumped onto the wagon, reached underneath the wooden planks of the seat, pulled out a circular, and handed it down to me. I got this circular from these Easterners, Nixon said. They handed them out to all the hunters. The circular offered to sell poison for killing vermin, which might damage the hides. But what was written at the bottom of the circular gave promise to a new enterprise. The buffalo hides could be sold to a dealer for $2.25 a hide if the directions on the circular were followed. The flyer listed several dealers who would buy the hides. 
The closest hide dealer registered was Charlie Rath, and he was setting up business in Osage City. Tom looked down from the wagon, reached over, and pulled the circular away from me. Well, boys, are you interested in teaming up with Myers and me on this new enterprise? Tom probed while stuffing the circular into his vest pocket. If you jump in, I'll take you over to the stable so you can look at your new rig. It was not long before we made our way for the livery stable. There we found a wagon in the back lot, the team and a good pair of mules in the stable. When we looked over the well-appointed rig and made a rough estimate of its probable value, we began to fear that the owners would ask more than we could pay for it. I inquired to Jim with some puzzlement. What do you think of the outfit, Jim? It's one of the best hunting rigs I ever saw. Jim then hesitated. But I'm afraid it's too rich for our blood. Those mules and harnesses alone would be cheap at $250. The wagon's easily worth another hundred. And there's no telling what the camp outfit cost. I asked Tom if he was willing to let us unload the wagon and look at its contents. We found it an extraordinarily complete outfit with many duplicate parts for the wagon. A Sibley tent, a sheet iron cook stove, a mess chest, and a complete mess kit for cooking. There was a large number of provisions left over. The wagon and the animals were good and the Broncos had saddles and bridles. While we unpacked the wagon, Tom told us something about the trip, which from the point of view of the hunters had been very successful. Tom said the hunters came to Hayes because they ran ads in the eastern newspapers about a new hide business back in England. This English tannery wanted to experiment with buffalo hides for a source of leather. So we took him out on the range to see the massive herds migrating south. They became excited about what they saw and wanted to get back east to share the good news. By the time Tom finished his story, the examination of the outfit was completed. Tom inquired, What do you think of the outfit and what will you give me for the whole caboodle? It's a good rig and no mistake, I countered with a seemingly hopeless sigh. But Jim and I are afraid we haven't money enough to buy it. The outfit was all right for our purposes, but we'll have to buy a good rifle, powder, and lead. I'm not sure if we'll have enough money left over after buying a team and camp outfit. To buy this outfit would clean us out. Well, said Tom, make a bid for what you can afford to give, not what it's worth. They don't expect to get what it's worth. Sounds like a mighty small price, Tom, and I'm ashamed to make you the offer, I said hesitatingly. But $200 is much we can afford to give and still buy our rifles and ammunition. Would your men consider such a bid as that? Boys, that does seem like giving the outfit away, and until I see my men, I won't say whether they'll take it or not. But I'll talk for you a little and help you out all I can, said Tom. They told me to sell the rig for whatever I could get, and I'll tell them that $200 is the best offer I've had. It's the only one. If they say it's a go, the outfit's yours. Jim, A.C. Meyer, Nixon, and I walked over to the saloon to make our offer to the Easterners. Three of us waited outside while Nixon played out our offer to purchase the wagon, mules, and camp supplies. While waiting for Nixon's return, I looked over to Meyer's. I could tell by his actions he was a prince of a good fellow and a rare character in every respect. I asked Myers how he came to know Tom Nixon. 
Meyer leaned up against the wood pole support structure, taken in the shade of the overhang, looked down at his boot, kicked a rock between the boards and looked at me, squinting one eye as if he had serious intentions in regarding my question. I have respect for the man, Meyer responded. Not one to be reckoned with, but a man you can put your back to in a bar fight. He's from the South. He has somewhat of a shady past, like most of us out here in this godforsaken country. I know him to tell tales about being a prospector once. He's a family man now and owns a ranch about eight miles west of Fort Dodge. Myers then looked directly into my eyes and said, I feel I have to do the right thing here, no matter the cost. It's about my integrity and honor. I need to tell you. The second Myers was about to close his last words to us, Nixon busted out of the swinging hinges of the saloon doors. You got the deal, boys, you got the deal, howled Nixon in a jubilant voice. Now let's go pay the men and put our marks on the papers. I stood up, smiled back at Jim, reached in my pocket for all the money I had, and entered the saloon with a questionable smile. The four of us walked over to a table where the three well-dressed men sat. One of them, well-groomed, stroking a cigar, had a dance-hall girl in his lap. The man next to him, a white-bearded, older, distinguished gentleman, watched us approach with a questionable eye. His face was one of utmost assurance. Whatever game this man played, he wasn't accustomed to losing. He smiled at me like a long-lost friend. He stood up as we approached, shook our hands, and introduced himself as representing part of Mr. Charles Rath. He told us Mr. Rath needed 500 hides, and he would offer me the contract to purchase the rig only if we fulfilled the hide order. He asked us to sit down at the table and offered us a drink. He had drawn out some papers in front of him, and before our drinks were served, he handed me a quilled pen. "'Will you agree?' he questioned." Will you agree to provide the 500 hides that Mr. Rath needs at the given price of $2.25 per hide? The man paused, handed over the pen, and pointed to a line on the parchment. You get the wagon, mules, and supplies you need for the hunt for $200, plus the money you split between the four of you for 500 hides. Jim, who sat next to me, placed his Spencer rifle across his chest. Damn, boy, get to signing. Give the man your money and let's get the hell out of here. We left the saloon in wonderment. I thought a little suspicious of the deal we had just made and wondered why they would allow us to pay just $200 for the rig. We went straight to the livery, picked up our new belongings, loaded the wagon, hitched up our mule team, purchased our rifles at the general store, and drove to Fort Hayes. It was late evening when we prepared ourselves for the next morning hunt. We stayed the night in the livery stables. I took the time that evening to write my brother John in New York City. In my letter to John, I told him about my purchase of the rig, how we signed a contract to obtain 500 hides, and planned a trip out to the plains. I concluded my letter with my suspicions about the hides, and would he be interested in a shipment to New York City. I signed and sealed my letter to be mailed the next morning from the Camp Postal Service. That's it for now. Remember to check out our Wild West podcast shows on iTunes Podcast or at wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. We would like to conclude our show by reminding our listeners to check out our up-and-coming digital bookstore, 
by visiting boothillproductions.com and select publications. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribute, non-commercial license. You can find out more about the legends of Dodge City by visiting our website at worldfamousgunfighters.com or visit us at boothillproductions.com. Mm-hmm.